Well, it's good to see you guys this morning. I hope that you are doing well. And uh, man, I love our game day theme and I love this day because I'm a huge football fan and uh, this time of year just gets me excited. I I love going to games and last year I missed it. And so um, a lot of you guys probably missed it as well. And so I'm pumped about going to see some local high school games and pumped to go see some of the uh, UT uh, Vols play again. And and uh, man, if you're new to the area, if you've never been to a volunteer game, you gotta go. I mean, there's just like no other experience quite like it. And if you've, if you've been there, you, you, you get it, right? You, you love to get there a little early and maybe tailgate, eat, eat and stuff yourself, you know, full of food. And, you know, everybody's wearing orange and white. The energy is buzzing downtown and you walk into, oh, back up. You might get there a little bit early for the vol walk, right? And so you see, you see all the guys walking in and, and uh, the band. And so you experience that as well. And, and uh, you walk inside the stadium, this huge, beautiful green field with the iconic uh, orange and white checkered end zone. I mean, there's nothing like it. And Smokey's running around, right? That's fun. And the band starts playing. They're doing their deal. And everybody knows what's about to happen. And so everybody starts to stand to their feet. That power tee opens up and the, uh, the, the team, the coaches run out in the middle. And, and over 100,000, 107,000 fans just lose it, right? Screaming, cheering, breaking out in Rocky Top and young, old, good voices, bad voices, doesn't matter. Everybody's singing. I mean, that's just a powerful moment. It's just a ton of fun. So I cannot wait for it. And you know, I was thinking about this season and, and kind of sharing that there are some people who have never been to a game or maybe you're not a all fan. And so you hear me say all that and then and you're just kind of like, eh, eh. If you don't like football and like you, you, you don't care anything at all about football, you hear me say all that and you're like, eh, no big deal, right? You know, I could sit here and I could tell, talk to you about the history. I could talk to you about, you know, Peyton Manning and getting inducted tonight to the Hall of Fame and what he means to this area. I could, I could talk to you about 1998 and T. Martin and the championship run, right? I, I can tell you about the new coaches and the new players this year and, and how this year's looking good, right? There's a little bit of hope and I can tell you all that, but if you're not a fan, if you've never been there, your heart's not gonna race faster. Your pulse isn't going to start to climb. You're, you're not going to get excited because if you've never experienced it and if you've never had a love for it, you're not going to respond to it. Think about it. I'll say it like this. If, if you don't love it, then you're not going to respond to it. And that's kind of true in life. If you don't love something, you're not gonna actually respond to it. And so if football's not your thing, you're not gonna get excited. You're not gonna gonna cheer, you're not gonna sing, you're not gonna go all out for, for the Vols or your local high school team this year. Like, if you don't love it, you won't respond to it. And in the same way today, as we think about our spiritual life, nobody in the room can get you excited about Jesus. Nobody in the room can make you love Jesus today because if you don't love him, you can't respond to him. Today's game day and it's game day themed and I love this concept, but I want you to know today that even though it's game day, we're not playing games in this room today. 
Today what I wanna do is I wanna ask you the most important question you'll ever answer in your entire life. And that question is this, if you were to die today, where would you spend eternity? Like if today was the day for you, right? And I hope that's not the case for any of us, but, but if we were wise, we would think about the answer to this question. If today was the day, where would you in fact spend eternity? See, I think there are a lot of fans in the room, a lot of football fans uh, specifically, and, and uh, we love games, but I think there are also a lot of people in the room that are playing games with their faith. They're playing games with God. They've kind of got one foot in the world and one foot in the church, and they kind of like the church thing because, you know, I want to go to heaven and all, but their life is, is living and moving in a direction that is exactly contrary to what the Bible teaches and what God wants in their life. And so today I, I wanna challenge you to stop playing games and, and finally come to a place where you can say for certain that heaven is your home, that, that you can say for certain that yes, I have put my faith in Jesus once and for all. You can see, I can stand up here and I can talk to you about how awesome Jesus is and I can talk to you about how he's changed my life. But at the end of the day, if you don't love him, if you've never experienced him, you're not gonna respond to him. And you're not gonna know what it's like to be in a room like this, that somebody is sharing the hope of what Jesus has done for, for you. And at the end of the service, have an opportunity to receive Jesus by faith. And you've never experienced that giving your life to Christ. You've never experienced that transition. And, 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 and you don't know what it's like to experience the power of God in your life. You don't know what it's like to leave a place like this and to go home and to call one of your friends or your parents and say, you're never going to believe what happened to me this morning. God showed up. And he changed me. But today, my prayer has been that for some of you, that's exactly what's gonna happen. For some of you, that's exactly what our prayer has been and that's exactly why you find yourself in this room today. I wanna read a passage of scripture today that really helps us in John chapter five, if you've got your Bible. In John chapter five, Jesus is explaining to a group of people who he really is. They were doubting him. Some might say they're kind of playing games with Jesus. They're, they're trying to arrest him. They're trying to get rid of him. They're trying to condemn him for you know, healing on the Sabbath and, and uh, trying to find something wrong with him. And Jesus addresses all of them and he says, I wanna be real clear. I wanna be real clear about who I am and what I've come to do. And so he says this in one of the most powerful chapters in the entire Bible, one of the deepest and most theologically rich chapters in the entire Bible. Here's what Jesus says, starting in verse 19. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. For the father loves the son, and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will, be, will he show him so that you may marvel. For as the father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the son gives life to whom he will. For the father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the son. 
that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Now that's an interesting phrase. He has passed from death to life. Now if you've been in the church world at all, you've heard people talk about perhaps their salvation moment. They say, well, I got saved at this night or this day or when this happened. They might say, I prayed a prayer, I got baptized or I got sprinkled or this or that happened. And that's typically what you might hear people explaining and talking about when they talk about a salvation moment. But the way that Jesus explains it is a lot deeper and way more interesting. He says, in that moment of salvation, it is you and I passing from death to life, from death to life. And he says this starts, this process starts for whoever hears my word, whoever hears my word. Now, you might walk in here today and think I'm too far gone. You might walk in here today and say, you don't know my life and what I've experienced and what, I'm, what I've done. I don't know if God would accept me for who I am. And, and I just want you to hear the words of Jesus that whoever hears, whoever, that means every single person in here today or who might be watching online, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. You know, one of the problems with this verse is that we have to hear the word of God. And for us, that's kind of hard. We, we have our ears open to any and everyone. There are so many people clamoring for our attention in this world today. We listen to so many people that are wrong. We listen to friends who don't know any more about life than we do, who have no more experience than we do. We'll listen to them even if it's a dumb idea. We listen to them. We listen to people on the news as if they're authorities. We listen to people in Hollywood who have been in a movie or two and we think that they know something that we don't because they've been on a, you know, a screen. Now, who are you actually listening to today? Because what I think is that so many of us go through life and God is speaking, God is, is, is drawing us closer to him and yet we just simply ignore him. We're just too busy and we don't open up our ears and, and listen to what he has to say to us. And, and so my question for you is what if, over the next several minutes, what if you said, you know what, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna genuinely say a prayer today right here in my seat. God, I wanna hear you speak to me. What if you just said that right now? God, whatever it is, speak to me this morning. I wonder, how many of us, just with that prayer, God would actually respond and, and share something that will blow our minds today? I think he will. Um, I don't know if you had a dad like I did, but I had a dad, he had the normal dad voice, hey, how you doing voice, and then he had the, I'm ticked off and I'm gonna bite your head off voice. Anybody have a dad like that? Like he could rip a knot in your tail and it was just with his voice. And so I had a dad like that, and so when he spoke with that, that you know, intense voice, Trent listened and Trent obeyed, right? When I was a kid though, I, um, I actually, I had a love for He-Man. <laughs> Anybody in my generation know what's up? Okay, a couple of you. 
Yeah, I mean, you got He-Man, you got Skeletor, you got Beastmaster going on over here. Then you got Tila. Shout out to Tila. She was awesome. She's a great actress. Um, appreciated her talent as a kid. No, I loved, just playing, it's church, relax. Just a joke. I loved He-Man. He was, he was my boy. And so uh, I remember it came on Saturday mornings and that's, that's the only time you could watch cartoons back in the day was Saturday mornings. And so I'm watching He-Man and, and uh, Skeletor always called He-Man a fool. He always used that word. And so it was just funny. Like one morning, I just remember he was like, He-Man, you'll never defeat me, you fool. And man, I picked up my sword, my stick, and I was like, you know, I was fighting the bad guys, you know, and I, was, I went out to the garage and, and uh, dad was out there working on something and we had a dog and uh, our dog's name was Trouble. And so I'm, me and Trouble were going at it, you know, and I'm like, you'll never defeat me, Trouble, you fool. And I heard dad in the background say, Trent, don't use that word. I didn't pay attention. I just kept going to the cat was over here. So I started hitting the cat and <laughs> not really hitting him, but like, you know, play with, playing with the cat. And, uh, the cast's name was Tigger. I said, Tigger, you will never defeat me, you fool. And I heard dad say, Trent, do not use that word. And I spun around and I pointed my sword at my dad. <laughs> and I said, you will never defeat me, you fool. <laughs> and he spun around. <laughs> and he got in my face. He knelt down and in that deep baritone voice, he ripped a knot. Like he didn't touch me, but he looked at me and he said, don't you ever call your father a fool. And I peed on myself a little bit. <laughs> and I never have called him a fool since. <laughs> you know, I think the reality is like there are times in our life where God is speaking to us and we just ignore him and we just get busy and we do our thing, right? He's speaking, he's drawing, he's trying to get our attention. And then finally something happens and boom, like now I'm listening. And you never know really when that day is gonna come where God gets down on one knee and says, hey, I want you to listen to this. But my prayer today is that that would be this moment for you that you would listen to the voice of God, that you would hear God speak to you. And, and if you would open your ear to the truth of the scripture that you just heard me read, you would hear God speak. And here's what he would say to you. He would say, Jesus and the Father are equal. In verse 19, he very, very, very clearly tells us that for whatever the Father does, the son does likewise. In other words, the son does exactly what the father does. The son cannot do anything contrary to what the father wants. The son cannot do anything contrary to God's purpose. And so this whole chapter, this whole passage is teaching us that Jesus does what the father does. The father does whatever the son does. And, and, and it teaches us that the father and the son are equal. And the, this separates us from every single religion in the world. Even other cults like Mormonism and Jehovah's Witnesses and every other religion, they would all say that Jesus, okay, he's a good guy, he's a great teacher, whatever, did some cool things, but he is not God. But very clearly, 
Jesus is calling himself God in these verses. He's identifying himself as, yes, a man, but a unique man in the sense that he is fully God. Now, I I remember reading, this reminds me what C.S. Lewis once wrote, makes so much sense, it's so logical. C.S. Lewis says, look, don't say something so silly as this, that Jesus is just a good moral man or a good teacher. He says, you can't do that because Jesus is either a lunatic, a liar, or he's Lord. Only a lunatic, a crazy person would, would equate himself to God the Father like this. He'd be crazy to do that. Or he's just a big fat liar. Like you're a liar. You're not fully God. You can't do exactly what the Father does. Or he's Lord. And I think what this scripture teaches us very clearly is that Jesus is in fact fully God. He does exactly what the Father does, making him equal to the Father. This theological word that we use is the word Trinity. It just simply means that God is one being, but he reveals himself in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All three equal in nature and in essence, but their function and role in our life is different and their function in the world is different. Jesus being sent by the Father to come to earth and in this, he is claiming that he is fully God. He doesn't do kind of what God does, he does exactly what God the Father does, making him fully God. Now think about the implications of this. It means that God came in human form to walk on this planet. He comes out of glory, he comes out of heaven And he is saying that I'm gonna live my life in in poverty. I'm gonna be humiliated. I'm gonna suffer. I'm gonna allow myself to be arrested and beaten. I'm gonna allow myself to be murdered on a cross. And why does he do this? He does this because he loves you. He does this because he actually wants to give you life. Verse 21 teaches us that Jesus gives us life. It says that God has the power to resurrect, right? And then he says the son also has that power and also the son gives life to whom he will. So Jesus wants to give you life. He wants to give me life. And the problem is some of you think that you're living life, but you're really not. Let's go back to the term that we have this experience, hopefully, when, when in this moment of salvation, that we move from death to life. See, see, the reality is, before we have faith in Jesus, because of sin in our life, we're spiritually dead. Our soul is spiritually dead. And so in order to have a death to life moment, it takes Jesus breathing life into our spirit, making us come alive spiritually. Yes, he could raise the dead. He, he raised Lazarus from the dead. But I think this also teaches us that he wants to give us life spiritually. And so when we're coming to Jesus by faith, we are experiencing peace with God. He gives us several gifts in this salvation experience, but I would say the first is peace with God. Now, the reason why we need peace with God is because of our sin, we've all messed up, we've all sinned. Because of that sin, we are separated from God. God cannot allow sin into heaven. So here we are, we've got a major problem. Every single one of us 
are born with a sin nature. We're spiritually dead. God's not gonna allow anyone into heaven that has sin. So what do we do? Well, the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus did something for us. He is coming to the earth, yes, to live a perfect sinless life. But when he goes to the cross, he is dying on the cross, not just to be a good example to you. He's dying on the cross to pay for the punishment that you and I deserve. You see, God can't just allow sin to go unpunished. That would mean that he is an unrighteous God or an unrighteous judge. To be a righteous and holy judge in God, then he has to punish sin. But the beauty of what Jesus has done for us is that God maintains his righteousness by punishing sin, but he also reveals his glorious nature of grace by putting Jesus as the suffering servant who took that punishment in our place. And so the cross is way, way more meaningful than any of us thought it was. He's taking my place, he's taking your place. The punishment of our sin was upon him. And then three days later, after his death, he rose from the grave, proving who he said that he was. And so when we come to faith in Jesus, when we are saying, Jesus, I am putting my faith in you, I'm turning from sin, I am turning to you, and by faith I am trusting that your death, burial, and resurrection is all that I need for heaven, for salvation, for life. We have peace with God. But it doesn't end there. It's not over. The second thing that we get is we get peace with our past. Now this is incredible. We get peace with our past. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now we all have a past. We all have brokenness. We all have mistakes. We've hurt people. People have hurt us. So we come here today with, with shame and guilt and we don't know what to do with that shame. We don't know what to do with that guilt. We try our best to forget about it. We try our best to keep our focus on other things so we don't think about it. But in the quietness of our spirit, those memories and those thoughts always haunt us. What do we do with that? When we come to faith in Jesus, he teaches us that the old is over. He wipes the slate clean and he gives us a brand new, fresh start. And he shows us how to overcome that guilt and how to overcome that shame recognizing that he took all of that guilt, all of that shame upon himself upon the cross. And so we actually are able to make peace with our past. He, he uses those dark moments in our life to help us live with purpose in life. And that's the third gift that, 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 that I wanna mention today, that when we come to faith in Jesus, he gives us purpose in life. Every single one of us, um, we have questioned this, this life, like why are we here? What are we doing? We, we, we experience loneliness and we go through bats of feeling like this is all meaningless. And we sit back and we wonder and we think, what is all this for? And I just feel like I'm doing a lot and I'm, you know, I'm do, I did the school thing, I got the degree, I got the job, I, I got the spouse, I've had some kids now. What, what am I, is this it? Is this all I'm doing? We all wrestle with that. We try to find our place in this world. And see, the reality is until you come to faith in Jesus and you recognize that he has gifted you and designed you for a purpose, then you'll never truly feel like you're in the right place. 
Think about it this way. How many of you guys are right-handed? Like when you write, if you actually write anymore, you're right-handed. Majority of us are right-handed. So let's just say I give you a pen and I say for the rest of the week, you can only write with your left hand. And you go home and you're just like, oh, I'm trying to write, but it looks like chicken scratch. And I'm writing like a four-year-old right now. And uh, that's kind of how it would be. It would feel awkward and it would feel very weird, right? And it's, and it's kind of the same spiritually. Until you understand how God has specifically designed you, then it's always, this life is always gonna feel like you're writing with your left hand. And it's not until you get that pen in the right hand that you begin to write and you go, oh, this feels right. This is what I was meant to do. You see, in the same way, this is how God has designed you. In fact, the Bible says in Ephesians 2.10 that we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So he prepared in advance before you were even born. He prepared a work for you to do. And discovering what that design is and it is one of the greatest journeys you'll ever go on as a follower of Christ. But when you give your life to Jesus, you begin this journey to find your purpose in life. And then fourthly, one of the benefits of our salvation is that God gives us the power to live. In Acts chapter one, verse eight says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you after you put your faith in Jesus, he gives you power to live for God. One of the hangups people have when, when we talk about giving their life to Christ is, well, I just can't do it. I know I can't do it. I'm not good enough or strong enough, this temptation, this addiction, this thing that I have. I just can't overcome this. I've got this situation. Everybody thinks they have a unique situation. Well, truth is we all have something we have to overcome, but the reality is we cannot overcome it and conquer that until we have the gift of the Holy Spirit living inside of us, allowing us to have the power of God in us. Yes, to overcome bad habits. Yes, to overcome addictions. But also giving us the power to do bold things for the kingdom of God. Only when we're empowered by God's Spirit would we be able to do these things. And so when we think about the idea of Jesus giving us life today, He wants to give you purpose he wants to give you power. He wants to give you peace with your past. He wants to give you peace with God. And you know what? He has the ability to do all this because he in fact has all authority. When you read this chapter, go home and read the whole chapter. But when you read these verses, you realize that, that yes, Jesus has all authority. In other words, he says, you can't honor the Father unless you honor Jesus in these verses. And then he says that Jesus actually in verse 22 has been given all judgment. So Jesus has the power to give life. We've just talked about that. But he also has all power and all authority to judge life. You see, one day we're gonna stand before him. We're not gonna stand before God the Father as judge because Jesus has been given authority to be our judge. Now, we, we kind of get this because we're bad at this, especially as Americans. We judge people all the time, watching TV, social media. Look at her hair. Look at what she said. Look at what he's doing, right? We judge, judge all the time. And, and, and we don't like to be judged, but we are okay with judging other people. But we have no authority to judge. 
but Jesus does. And so one day there's, there's gonna be a moment where this life is over. And on that day, we will stand before Jesus. And if our faith is in Jesus, we've experienced a death to life moment. And that is a genuine faith. Then when we face that judgment, it won't be judgment. He'll be ushering us into the kingdom of heaven. But for those with no faith, those who have rejected Jesus, they will stand before Jesus and he will in fact judge them. The Bible talks about it often. In Acts chapter 17, it says that he has fixed the day on which he will judge the world. There is a day that is coming. He will judge the world in righteousness by a man. What man? Well, obviously Jesus who was appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. In other words, the assurance that we have that Jesus has all authority to give life and to judge is the fact that he rose from the dead. So Jesus has all authority. In Matthew 28, Jesus gives us what we call the Great Commission. And he says, go and make disciples of all nations. You probably remember that verse. But oftentimes we forget the beginning of that verse, that whole little passage there. It starts with Jesus saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. You see, Jesus does have all authority. And one day you will recognize that. And if you wait until that day, it'll be too late. It'll be too late. There's no way at that point for you to come back. But today is a day that you can deal with that and recognize him as having all authority in your life. You can have this experience of moving from death to life. You can experience his saving grace. And he so clearly and eloquently explains it to us in verse 24. Look at it again. He says, whoever, that means you. Every single person in the room, whoever does what? Hears my words. Do you have the ears to hear the spirit of God this morning? Are you listening to him? Whoever hears my word and then does what? Believes. See, it's not enough just to hear it. It's not enough to agree with it. Oh, I agree with that. I agree. I concur. No. Belief is way different. The difference between someone that concurs and someone that believes is that they have a life to death transition. It changes you. Jesus said, by their fruit, you will know them. Has there ever been a change in your life? I'm not talking about getting sprinkled or baptized or making a promise to God. Man, I've made so many promises to God that I didn't keep. You've probably done the same thing in, in moments like this. Oh God, I'm going to heaven, let me go to heaven. But then you go back out into the world and nothing changes. Did you really believe or did you just agree? There's a big difference. He said, whoever believes God that did what? That sent him. So God sends Jesus down the cross for sin, rose from the grave, defeated death, defeated sin, so that you and I might have what? Eternal life. Eternal life. Hear his word, believe in him, you get eternal life. You do not, he says, come in at judgment, but you pass from death 
to life. I'm just convinced that there are people in the room who have never passed from death to life. But the good news is you have the opportunity to in fact experience it today. You say, Trent, when you talk about God's love, it's just hard for me because I just can't believe God would love somebody like me. You don't know what I've done or what I've experienced or what I'm going through. Man, my, my own wife doesn't love me. My, my, my husband doesn't love me. My, my kids don't love me. Heck, my own parents didn't love me. How could God love me? See, when Jesus is dying on the cross for you, he is screaming to you, I love you. He's, he's like my dad spinning around using that dad voice saying, I love you. Come home. Experience true life. When you're coming to faith in Jesus, you are receiving the blessing of God. You're receiving the favor of God. He's choosing to show his grace and love to you. He is pleased to call you a son or a daughter. I don't think somebody came here today to hear this truth because some of you have been resisting God's voice. You've been running from God's voice. Maybe you've just been ignoring the voice of God in your life, maybe even fighting him. Some of you maybe have been blaming him for what you're going through. You can keep trying to do it your way. You can keep trying to measure up. But until you surrender to Jesus, until you recognize that there is nothing that you can do to earn this gift, there's nothing that you can do to fix whatever problem you're going through today, only he can. Ephesians 2, 8 says, by grace you have been saved through faith. This is a gift of God, not of your own doing, so that no one can boast. You've heard that maybe, you've, you've run across that a time or two. This, this salvation, this death to life moment is a gift. You can't earn it. You, you simply receive it. And sometimes we have issues with receiving this gift. It messes with our head because we don't experience unconditional love in this world very often. But this is the kind of love Jesus wants to give to you today. Um, about 13 years ago, my grandmother passed away, my mom's mom. And uh, she lived in Columbus, Ohio. She had lived on this big farm. And so when my kids were little, uh, because she lived on a farm, she became grandma on the farm, obviously, right? Helped distinguish who we were talking about. And so um, at this time, my kids were little, little. Um, now they're all teenagers. In fact, my youngest daughter, Blakely, today's her birthday. She turns 13. So I have four teenagers. Pray for me, right? I need it. But at this time, my oldest was only six years old. My son was five. And then Brooke was three. And um, this was the first time they had ever had to experience a death in the family and, and really kind of wrap their minds around it. And so kids are, are very inquisitive. They want to ask questions. And, you know, my, my oldest at that time, she's six. She says, she said, Dad, you know, where's grandma at? And I, I, I said, look, grandma believed in Jesus. And so she's in heaven with Jesus today. 
And then she asked me this question. She said, Daddy, am I going to die? If you're a parent, you get asked questions like this and and you're kind of like, oh my gosh, what do I say? Do I lie right now to make her feel better? Or do I tell her the truth? And I've just always leaned on telling the truth and love and as softly as I can because that's the best way to do it. And so I did. I told her, I said, yes, Bailey, one day you're, you're going to die. Daddy's going to die. And we don't know when that day's going to come. And so we, we need to understand who Jesus is and give him our life as soon as possible and start living for him. My son at that time, he's four years old. He, he loved a stuffed animal that was like this elephant stuffed animal. He just attached to it when he was a baby and he never could say the word elephant. So he named it Yaya. That's like what he, like elephant, Yaya. Yeah, it's Yaya. So that's what he called it, right? And so he's, we're all sitting here having this conversation and, and, and he hears this and he looks at me and he says, he says, Daddy, I don't want to die. And I said, I know, son, it's, it's scary to think about. I don't want to either, but, but when we do, when we have faith in Jesus, we, we get to be with Jesus. And as honestly as a four-year-old could be, he said, Daddy, I don't want to be with Jesus. I want to be with Yahya. <laughs> I said, Yahya will be there with you too, son. <laughs> we'll work that out theologically later. <clears throat> And then my youngest daughter, Brooke, she was, at that time, my youngest, she was three. Um, She loved everything princess, especially Tinkerbell. Some of you guys are in that stage. Tinkerbell everything. Tinkerbell walls, Tinkerbell toys. She had a costume with the tights and the wings and the whole deal. Like she was, that's who she was for Halloween one year. And and, uh, she always wore this thing. And she was wearing the outfit in this conversation. She'd worn it so much, it, it, it was kind of ripped in parts. The wings were kind of, kind of tattered and ripped apart, you know. And so we're having this conversation. I look over at her, and now she is like, she's so tenderhearted. She's, she's crying, like big, fat alligator tears rolling down. And her little lip is puckered. And I'm like, oh, honey. I said, what's the matter? And she said, Daddy, I'm not going to get to go to heaven. I said, Brooke, why would you say that? She said, my wings are broken. My wings are broken. And I I cried, I just lost it. I said, honey, you don't need wings to go to heaven. You need faith in Jesus. And what a three-year-old in her little mind struggles with I see 30 year olds struggle with. Because so many of us think, ah, my wings are broken. You just don't know, man. I've been through divorce, I've been through abuse, I've been through this, I've been through that, I've done some pretty bad stuff, man. My wings are broken, I can't. And I want you to hear this last thing from me today to hear the voice of God. And he would say to you today, there is nothing that you can do to earn or or deserve this free gift of salvation. There's no perfect wings in the room. We're all broken. And his call for you today is to simply receive him by faith. 
and to admit that you're a sinner and truly believe in him, which would mean that you're going to give your life to him and make him the authority of your life. And when you do that, you experience that death to life moment. And some of you here today, you're here because God wants you to do that. And now's your time. Every head bowed, every eye closed, eyes closed, ears open to the voice of God. Second Peter 3, 9 says, God's will for your life is that no one would perish but have everlasting life. God's will for you today is that you would experience everlasting life. Have you heard him today? Are you ready to believe him today and experience the saving power of Jesus Christ? Today's game day, but we're not playing games in the room this morning. This is 100% the most important decision that you will ever make. And so the time for playing games with God are over. The time to listen and believe and give your life is now. Jesus, hear the prayers that are about to come up to you now and do what only you can do. With every eye closed, every ear open, if you wanna give your life to Jesus today, you're ready to stop playing games. You just simply say this prayer in your seat. Just say, God, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I believe with all my heart that Jesus died on the cross for my sin and that he rose from the grave. And I am asking you to forgive me of my sin. Come into my life and save me right now. Today, I give you my life. No more games, no more playing around. My life is yours. Every eye closed, I wonder if you just prayed that prayer, would you be so bold with no fear, no shame, no embarrassment. If you just prayed that prayer right now, would you be so bold as to lift your hand up into the air as high as you can and leave it there? Just leave it there. Hands all over. Don't put it down. If your arm gets tired, switch arms. Who else would be so bold to say, I, I just gave my life to Jesus. Hands all over. Keep them up high. Praise God. All over. Keep them up. Would you be so bold as to make a public declaration of your faith today? Would you be so courageous and, and, and you, would you be so willing to say, I am not playing games, I wanna make a public display. With every hand that is raised in here, would you be so bold as to stand to your feet admitting that you just gave your life to Christ and would you do it right now? Just stand to your feet all over, all over. Stand up, stand right where you're at no matter where you're at, stand to your feet and stay up. Don't sit down. Stand up right now. Stand up. You can stand and you can put your hand down. Anybody else, just stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Don't sit down. Anyone else say that I'm tired of playing games and I just gave my life to Jesus. Would you stand? Church, you see these folks standing. Would you give them a round of applause right now? Don't sit down. Don't sit down. 
I'm gonna ask you guys to do me a favor. Pastor Landon is standing in the back. Please don't sit down. Would you go right to him? We've got some gifts we wanna share with you. We've got some people that wanna high five you. If you would just make your way towards him right now. Praise God. Amen. If you raise your hand and you don't want to go alone, just ask a friend to go with you. Just say, hey, will you go with me? Just stand right now and make your way. Don't miss this opportunity, right? We're happy because we know what it feels like to meet Jesus. Amen, church? Let's stand to our feet. Let's stand and worship Him today. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Foothills Church. If you made a decision to follow Christ while listening today, or if you have some more questions about what that looks like, then let us know. You can text FC Decision to 97000, or you can head over to foothillschurch.com slash decision. We hope you have a great week.